This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, y'all. Welcome to The Nod, a black culture podcast brought to you by Blackness's biggest fans. I'm Eric Eddings. And I am Brittany Luce. So, Brittany, big question. Okay. Biggest question. The bi- biggest question. <laughs> what is the biggest question? When you think about black food, right? Okay. What's the first dish that comes to mind? Chicken, comma, fried. <laughs> fried chicken. 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 Some would say it's on the nose, but... It's, how, it's true for me. It's my truth. Fair, fair. Okay, you're not wrong. And actually, you're not wrong in general. It's probably a lot of people's first answer. Honestly. But... Why is it fried chicken? Fried chicken for me, first of all, my mother makes perfect fried chicken. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that where my mom had me fucked up as a child is that she only <laughs> cooked it like three times a year. Because my father had a heart attack when I was young. I was like mm. six or seven. And so everything was like low sodium, yeah. low sh- low everything. Low Even our salt, our table salt was not. So I didn't start using real table salt until I was like 20 God because damn. we had low sodium salt. That's okay. Deep. <laughs> so exactly, exactly. So yeah, to me, chicken is like it's your birthday. You're moving. You're going to Africa for six months. That's the day where you're having fried chicken. It's like possibly the most delicious thing that my mother knows how to make. She makes it perfectly. So for you, it's fried chicken, but for me, it's fried fish. Mm. So many of us have food that is tied to the way we see our blackness. And the idea of black food is so much more expansive than soul food. That's true. So I want to ask people, like, when you think about black food, what is the first dish that comes to mind? Basically, show us the foods that make you who you are. Or, we could say, pack us a to-go plate. Okay, okay. Am I going to get a to-go plate at the end of this? No. (laughs) But I would like to think that your soul will be full after this. How's that? You know, (laughs) I'm going to just step out on faith today. Okay. Well, I think think things will be looking up after I tell you the next piece of information. Okay. So the food on this week's to-go plate comes from the Congo and was prepared by a friend of the show, GoFin. Do you remember GoFin? GoFin Mputibwele. Yes. Yes. Dear friend, lovely person. I'm a radio producer. I am still a lawyer. I'm a radio producer, a lawyer, wannabe ballet dancer and singer. Let me tell you something. First of all, 
GoFan be selling himself short because I have seen <laughs> and I have video of GoFan singing opera like an angel. This is true. Just out of nowhere. And then also number two, I have been to ballet class with GoFan before. And I may have weak hips. GoFans are strong. That's what I learned. <laughs> so don't let him sell you short. He is a amazing, amazing, strong black man. Just the kind of person we need out in the world today. Love GoFan. Yes. <laughs> I went to meet him at his beautiful apartment mm. here in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And when we got there, he was already partially covered in flour. Bam. What's up? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? Good. Good. <laughs> cool. Good to see you. Yeah. Welcome to my apartment. Uh, it's like a Pinterest board. <laughs> it is like a Pinterest board. It is very small, but... I have managed to make a bunch of different rooms in my one room studio. Yeah. We're now in the living room. Got the uh, the standard pictures of travels. Uh, up here, up in the top left, there's a picture of me and my old roommate, um, who's a white guy named Chris. We went to Kinshasa, to the uh, the Congo together. I had been a couple of times before. I think I've been maybe one or two times before. This is my first time going with a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. People, as soon as we got to the airport, people started calling him Jesus. I see. Yeah. Well, I can kind of see the resemblance, actually. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, maybe without the glasses and a right. little, little longer hair. Uh-huh. Sure. I could, yeah. Yesu, Yesu. So I asked Gofin to cook me the blackest dish he knows. And he said he'd make those beautiful golden fried dough treats, affectionately known as beignets. And if I'm being honest, when I initially asked Gofin what he thinks of when he thinks about black food, beignets was not the response that I expected. So, okay, so you mentioned this is like, this is a distinctly like African food. Mm -hmm. So I did just like your basic Google, right? Uh On beignets. (laughs) It's like everywhere. (laughs) And you do the like image search. Actually, if you click the images... Mm. So you see pictures of the food, but more than that, you see a sea of white people eating, like, cramming beignets with powdered sugar in their mouth. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> and so I'm just... <laughs> white people in New Orleans. Literally. And, like, when you, like, if you if you see that, does a party want to be like, wait, y'all don't know. This is African, you know, like, this, yeah. is, from, this is from where I'm from. Blah, yeah, blah, man. Blah, blah. Or my uh, family is from, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, th- that sounds to me like, isn't that like everything in black culture? It's true. <laughs> Paul Ryan dabbing. <laughs> so we can't take down all those photos of white folks eating beignets. But I can talk to a person who knows exactly what makes beignets super black. So for the next hour, I sat in Gofin's kitchen watching him make magic. And telling me about a side of beignets that, frankly, I never heard before. So when you go to Congo, everywhere you see people selling beignet. Um, and then in French, it's beignet, but in Congo, um, it's called mikate. Oh. That's the word. So my mom used to make beignet in Congo. It was like her business when my dad and her were first married. She would like get up at like five in the morning and have this like huge vat of dough that had risen all night. So people would come, she would make the beignet. People, she'd have people that would go to the market, like open air market and sell it. Oh, do you want to taste it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's good. 
my mom says, no one could sell anything until mine ran out. <laughs> and the other woman would be like, she puts like curses in her, like magic. There's like magic curses in her binion. That's why people buy it. So then hers would sell out and then other people could sell theirs. That's, that's power, you know? She got it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of believe. Yeah. Cause we went to Kinshasa and uh, I was like super excited. I was like, you know, motherland, we're gonna eat all the beignet and all that stuff. And I kept eating people's beignet. I was like, my mom's is better than this. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like maybe she does curse it. Who knows? Wow. So it's good. All right. Well, so. I'm excited. Let's 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 get to it. Cool. All right. <laughs> what are we looking at? So right now we are looking at this is this is the beignet dough. So once you've um, mixed the dough, there's yeast or some kind of leaven in there, and it rises. And then once it rises a little bit. You can um, like you can fry it. You can mold it. Yeah, yeah. How, long, how much longer does it need to rise? Um, uh, it looks like it's rising a little slow. So we can settle in yeah, for a bit. Yeah, we can settle in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So beignet is actually very very easy to make. It's pretty simple. It's just um, flour, uh, milk, sugar, eggs, and then some spices or like some flavor. Just some. <laughs> <laughs> it's unnamed. Is that, the, is that where the, yes, the, that's where the good stuff comes mm -hmm. in? Okay. Yeah. All right. Is that is that part secret? I mean, we'll see how I feel when we get there. But <laughs> yeah. well, like, what's your what's your earliest memory memory having beignets? African dinner in the nineties. My parents were grad students at Purdue University and they had this thing. They had this event called African Dinner, where it was like all the African grad students. There's a big dinner for the campus, but all the African grad students would get together the night before the event and cook like every dish. Because it was like Kenyans and Congolese and Senegalese and all that stuff. It was like a yearly ritual. So the night before, um, mom and a bunch of other people would be there making stuff getting stuff ready so beignet was one of them so we'd be in that we would like run around and like be crazy but then there'd be like beignet in the process yeah. and you go into the kitchen and like you know taste a little bit <laughs> yeah um so i'm just gonna put the oil on um for frying the dough let me i'm gonna get a bowl which means i need to wash a bowl All right, so now oil is hot. Um, so what I'm doing, I'm dipping my hand in the water. I'm gonna put my hand in the dough and then drop that dough into the oil. Okay. And that is like a sea anemone. So first batch is always bad. My first batch is bad. I'm used to only having beignets. Like my, my family is from Louisiana, mm. uh, and not far from New Orleans. Okay, but nobody was making beignets. Huh. You know what I'm saying? We had beignets if we like. You know, sometimes we would drive down to New Orleans for a bit, mm. and then you know you do the Cafe Du Monde trip. Yeah, I've <laughs> uh, actually never been. Does. Really? Yeah, I've never you, been. A, yeah. Do you think you would like it? Do you think? <laughs> I feel like I'm. I feel like I would be curious. You like, let's see what this is about. Yeah, because the thing I I I don't know if I've ever actually had a like New Orleans style beignet before, but the thing I've always heard is like powdered sugar, powdered sugar, and so there's a, in our house where it's like 
Powdered sugar. I'll put a powdered sugar on Biggie. What is that? It's <laughs> real. So that's that's a, a bit of skepticism. Yeah. But no. Yeah, this is a better like the oil now we're in a place that I feel good about it. It's like bubbling enough, but not too much. And the beignets are changing color, which is good. Yeah, it's looking good. Almost there. This looks really good. It smells really good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the smell of Saturday morning in the Puchibuela household. Even though I could have spent hours watching beignets fry in a cast iron skillet, like, let's be honest, this shit is beautiful. What is all that work for if you don't eat them? So we walked over to GoFin's dining table and got to my personal favorite part, the eating. So, so should we eat? Let's do it. Let's All right. Do it. These look good, I yeah. might say. I should say so. I should Ooh, say. Wow. These look good. And the whole reason we're here is because when I asked Gofin, when you think about black food, what dish comes to mind? He said beignets without hesitating. And after talking with him a bit, I think I was starting to get the idea of why. But I wanted him to go a little deeper. So I asked him again. So we asked you to think about food and what it means to be black. And if there's a dish, you know, like one dish that symbolizes the relationship between the two. And you said beignets. Uh Uh-huh. Why is that? (sighs) I mean, I think, I think in the U.S. in particular, blackness, there's like many forms um, and this is like super obvious, but now I feel like it's super obvious. Uh, but I'm not sure that it was obvious. Like when I was like in middle school and high school, it wasn't clear that like there were like black being black could be like a complex thing or lots of different ways. Um, and so, um, like in middle school, I spent a lot of time, middle school and high school, I spent a lot of time feeling like, I don't know like where I'm supposed to fit in in the black community. And like, I'm obviously black, but I don't know where, where my, it's just like a lot of like feeling aimless. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, the beignet is like, this is like African, you know? And part of being black in America, one one of the facets of that is like diaspora. Parents came over probably in the seventies or the eighties as, you know, came over as immigrants and like that's one of the legacies of blackness and so i just love that it's this african dish that is like very african (laughs) that you see all over the place in congo um but that i can make it here and share it here and have that be part of you know like the food that i make here in the states like it's like it's a connection to being black in the u.s and so and part of that is also being connected to africa Mm. you know yeah and like like, and I say that that feels different now because now we're like in like post, <laughs> post Wakanda world. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and I think, I think for, I think for people whose parents are African, so like growing, you like grow up and like, it was not cool to be African <laughs> before. Yeah. And so it was like nice to have this movie come out and you're like, aha. Uh-huh. Now y'all get it. Uh-huh. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. So, yeah. yeah. The thing about it is like, because I grew up eating them with powdered sugar. Mm-hmm. But you actually don't need the powdered sugar. Real talk. Mm-hmm. It's good. 
<laughs> I'm not playing. I'm not faking. <laughs> Go Finn. Thank you, man. This has been, as always, it is a pleasure to eat your food. No problem. Uh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, is there anything? Is there anything you want to leave me with? Like a, like a, you know, like, like some beignet to take, like a, like a Tupperware. <laughs> you know, I can take back with me. I'll wrap it up for you in aluminum foil. That's what I appreciate that. Yeah. Coming up after the break, Brittany is going to help you get your life. This time, it involves your breath. So grab a mint and meet her here after the break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. And now, it's time to get your life together. You. Yes, you. This is Get Your Life with Brittany Luce. Hey, everybody. It's Brittany. I'm back. I want to tell y'all about this past year. So if I'm honest, this past year actually completely <laughs> whipped my ass. <laughs> this year made me be like, bitch, you're 30 because life is hard now. <laughs> you need to get with the program. Just like stressed barely breathing, not able to calm myself down. Do you know how crazy I was in the daytime? Like, it was a mess. You know, I noticed during the day if I was at a doctor's office or on a phone call or even just doing some writing for work or defending a pitch in a meeting, I would be holding my breath at the most random points in time, just straight up not breathing. So I was talking about this with a friend, and she was like, oh, you got to talk to this breath worker I know. I'm not going to lie. At first, I was like, breath worker. What is this? Like, what is a breath worker? But I was curious and honestly also desperate enough to find out more. And I wanted to share some of what I learned with you guys. So the breath worker my friend recommended is named Mariam Ajayi. She had this really good energy. Like, she was calm, but she wasn't like so zen out. I like, didn't think that we could make eye contact and have a conversation. You know what I'm saying? But, like, she entered the room, and it was like a fresh breeze from the minute she came into the studio. And I learned from her that breathwork isn't, like, some fluffy, totally new-age thing that's, like, expensive or hard to do. It's really pretty simple. 
What is breath work, really? Do you remember the last time you just took a deep breath? I mean, I can't tell you the last time that I really just exactly. took a deep breath. So just take a deep breath right now and, like, really, like, sit up straight. Okay. And take a deep breath and to actually breathe into your stomach and then sigh out. And then just pause. Do you feel, like, a little bit of relief? I feel a little relaxed. And then are you like, why don't I do that more often? Because we're holding our breath so much that we don't even notice that we're doing it. So what you just did is a simple breath work. What I do is a little bit more detailed. Mm -hmm. There are various types of breath work. Um, To be quite simple, a blanket statement is using your breath to move around energy and to bring awareness. So you can let your mind wander, take note of what you're thinking about, but then coming back to your breath. Mm. So that is simple breath work, is using your breath as awareness and to move around energy. So how'd you actually get into this? So two and a half years ago, I realized I had to get my life together. (laughs) I was a hot mess express. Um, I was, say, leaving out a dysfunction junction and always (laughs) felt like... The world was happening to me. Uh-huh. I was so sad and I was so depressed. Mm-hmm. I had so much anxiety. I was on so much medication for anxiety, for mm. panic attacks. And I was at the time um, working in lobbying and being like, this is out of control. It's like, this is fucked up. I'm fighting for stuff that I don't even know why I'm fighting for it anymore. And so I was going through so much inner turmoil. Like, why am I doing the work that I'm doing? So I remember just, like, sitting in my room one night, and I was just like, I'm in so much pain. And I was doing yoga, eating healthy, and I was like, there just has to be something else. Mm. And I just, like, Googled to see if there was one happening that weekend. A breathwork A breathwork circle. Mm -hmm. And then I just went and I took a chance. I just found, like, a, a spark of power within me that I realized I'd been giving my power to so many other people. Mm. And breathwork was the first thing that I realized, like, this is in me. So you start sort of getting into it. Like, what changes did you notice in your life? A lot of us are grown up. Like, we, you have to rely on your parents for mm-hmm. things. You have to rely on the bank for a loan. Mm-hmm. You have to rely on your job for an income. So you just walk around feeling like you have no power over what goes on in your life. And I just felt so empowered after doing my first breathwork class. You know, as I've been thinking more about wellness, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners have been thinking more about wellness, even just because every day is some shit. You know what I mean? Every day. Every day is some shit. I want to hear from you, though. Like, like, can you talk to me more about what it means to you to be in the wellness, healing, um, like, space as a Black woman? Um, so one, Mm -hmm. um, I was afraid to do all of this, but I just took the leap because there's not a lot of black women Mm -hmm. and men, people of color in this space. My Instagram and social media was like filled with people like white girls that were brunettes, people that did not look like me, Mm -hmm. but I was into the content. Right. No, I know but what you mean. I was like, mean. nobody looks like me. They're like all, like a lot of very skinny white girls. Yes. In the mountains. Well, you know what else too? Like I think about like, 
I do do, you know, acupuncture and uh-huh. I try to meditate. But like when I first started, like I had a moment where I was like in, you know, I was in one of these sessions and I was like, I the first thing I felt was like, oh, I'm enjoying myself. And the second thing I thought is I'm like, girl, you need to get out of here. This this cost money. It costs more than $6. This is not for you. You are busy. You have things to be doing for other people. Blah, blah, blah. And it was like, you know, it's sort of like the underlying message was, I think for me, like I, it was almost like I could... I was thinking in my mind, not only is this not something that you have time for, but also, girl, you don't have time to sort of be dilly-dallying. And I realized that, like, it was so goofy. You know what I'm saying? And, like, having the conditioning, honey. You just proved my point. Yeah. Like, literally, it's how you're conditioned to, like, why the hell would you take 25 minutes or an hour to yourself? God forbid. We're taught to deprioritize ourselves. We're socially conditioned Mm -hmm. to to wear ourselves into the ground. I mean, being a, a person of color, and then you want to add in being a Black person in America, and then you could, one, if you're a Black man, are you going to die today for no reason? And then being a Black woman, you're constantly being told who you are is not okay or fetishized, and you have to wear armor every single day of your life. It's tiring. It's armor. So it's just like you add on layer after layer and then holding on to ancestral stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just the beginning of self-care for Black people is letting some of that go. What do you tell people who are skeptical of breathwork? Yes. Some people are like, why would I pay someone to sit there and watch me breathe? <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. weird. And it seems like a Ponzi scheme of some sorts. Um, so for people that are skeptical, I try and wash it down as much as possible. Um, and keep it as simple as like when you're doing breath work, you are releasing um, endorphins into your system. Mm. And who doesn't love endorphins? I can't think anybody. Right? That's Just Google endorphins. Everybody wants them. It's like why we run. It's why we dance. Yeah. Black people have been conditioned to stay away from all of this because it's looked at as voodoo or dark magic. Um, there is dark magic and voodoo out there, but what I'm doing is not. What most people are doing are not. Mm-hmm. It's all like about love and positivity, and they want us to be angry and mad. Um, so we're told to stay away from all of this stuff. Mm. And it's branded as being bad and as being witchcraft and dark to scare people away from what's in themselves. Mm. You know, I I want to leave people with an with an impression of sort of like what what you know so leave them with something that they can do themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd like to close the interview by having you lead us in a quick breathwork exercise. Yes. So I'm gonna let you take it away. Okay. Cool. So I want you to put your your feet on the ground. Okay. Feet and I want you ground. to sit up straight. Okay. And put your hands in your lap. They can either rest on your knees or your thighs, or you could have them up Mm -hmm. and make sure your spine is straight. Um, This is something called square breathing. Typically, you would want to do this in a room by yourself Mm -hmm. um, and in silence. But I call it my party trick because you could also do this if you're on the subway, if you're in a meeting where someone is irritating you, (laughs) you could just do this with your breath and no one will notice that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's square breathing because you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, uh, you breathe out for four seconds through your mouth, and then you hold it for four seconds. So breathe in through your nose, one, 
two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. So now that you have the breath, we're not we're not done yet. Okay. So that's okay. that's the breath. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna do it for thirty seconds. You okay. would want to do this for four minutes, but after a couple of times, you'll start to feel the difference. Okay. Okay. So breathe in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four, hold. Two, three, four. And then just do it in your head. And then do the last one. And then I want you to take your your arms and reach them above your head. And then just do a big deep breath in. And then bring them down and breathe out. That's something that's very, very simple. It's very tangible. You could do it anywhere. And you can let me know if you feel like a little bit different. Do you? I do, actually. I feel kind of relaxed. Yeah. I do. Yeah, so you could try that when you go home or after this. Just do it for four minutes. And you'll be like, it seems long, Mm -hmm. but it flies by. Trust me. And then you're just going to, you'll just randomly be somewhere. You'll be like, in, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Like you said, the next meeting. Yeah. The next meeting. (laughs) The next time you got a next meeting, next time reunion. I mean, some for some people, for, Christmas. I almost got cursed out on the subway. I like subway. It's like, why are you looking at me in my face? I was like, I'm just smiling, but okay. And so I just moved seats and I square breathed, and I was just like, after one round, I was like, hey. <laughs> you know what they say? Like, get high on your own supply. Some people are like, are you high? I'm like, on my breath. <laughs> This has been another edition of Get Your Life with Brittany Luce. Don't make her have to say it again. So Miriam uses breathing to get herself together, but we want to know what you do to get your life. So tweet us at The Nod Show and let us know what you do to take care of yourself. The Nod is produced by me, Brittany Luce, with Eric Eddings, Kate Parkinson Morgan, and Wallace Mack. Our senior producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. We were edited by Emmanuel Berry and Jorge Just. Engineering from Cedric Wilson. Our theme music is by Khalid B. Additional music in the show by Cedric Wilson, Bobby Lord, and Talkstar. Star.